It's Tuesday night. 8pm, that can mean only one thing. It is the Rangers AF podcast. Uh, thanks to everybody that's joining us tonight from the channels that are YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all the other good stuff. Stuart, we are showing up. That's good. Got released from his captors on time. Pleased, pleased to see him there. But uh, joining me tonight, I've got none other than my good old buddy, Jeep. How you doing, Jeep? All good, mate. All good. Happy to wrap up what has been an eventful season. Mm, and we'll talk more on that, I tell you right now. We'll talk more about it shortly. Driggs, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Mr. Snags? I tell you what, mate, I am good, and tonight I am standing. I'm normally seated, but tonight I'm standing. Mm. That's the big difference. How do you feel about that? It it looks good. You know, you have a good slope to the shoulders. Your posture Mm -hmm. looks good. The neckline has increased. It's Mm -hmm. it's good luck. How do the the hemorrhoids feel? Oh, do you know what, Stuart? Um, Suppositories are my best friend, you know? It's uh, it's working well. And you're as well sticking them up your arse. (laughs) <laughs> sound advice but i was just going to say you should have a fist width between your chin and your chest you know that's kind of uh, formula for good posture drinks uh but anyway Stuart Weir, how we doing how was your time in captivity now you've been released it was great yeah um it was it was it was lovely uh, seeing daylight again and being able to communicate with people it was uh it feels a whole lot different just Joe was ignoring right enough, but anyway, that's another of story. Of course, well, it's standard. Uh, Robin Wasp, how are you doing? I'm absolutely fantastic. How's the rest of the guys on this lovely Tuesday evening? You've been listening. We just went through everybody and they just, told me we how they were. <laughs> yeah. well, we'll I need a collective, collective answer. Got right, a collective right. sigh. A collective uh, sigh. Uh, he meant the viewers man. as well. Exactly. Oh, is it? Cheer, right. Cheers, Jim. Hi, thanks, Jeep. So stick Save it in the that. chat. Let us know how you're doing. Cell five. But as uh, Jeep rightly pointed out there, this is our end of season review. And of course, the first podcast since we became Scottish Cup champions, which is lovely, isn't it now? Our first bit of silverware uh, since last season, which is nice. Um, so how I'm going to do this is I'm going to just give you a week and a bit of story, a bit of background um, as to how last season went in parts and then I'll give you guys some questions to answer and please get involved in the chat as well obviously this is this podcast is yours um, and we'd like to hear your opinions as well and we'll stick some comments up on the screen Grandmaster Jeep there so uh, let's let's kick it off then shall we so let's begin right so we begin the season 2021-22 uh, as champions under Steven Gerrard and his backroom staff, which was, of course, our first league title in a whole decade. Uh, Celtic were in disarray, um, and 30 million from the Champions League was just four games away. That's eight, four. Uh, we went into the game with Malmo with just Lundstrom and Sakala as our only new signings. Uh, Morelos hadn't returned from international duty yet, which meant it and up top. Uh, whilst obviously Balogun, Kamara and Roof were all missing through suspension. This is a great memory refresher, loving this. And there was already lingering tension <laughs> uh, behind the scenes over investment in the squad. Um, Malmo beat us 4-2 in aggregate, of course, and Gerard makes it publicly known that we've not spent a penny on transfers. He was promised allegedly £6 to £8 million for that window, which didn't materialise. Our top target for that window was uh, none other than Joey Veerman, who was made famous by a slushy, a slushy fake 
drink Instagram post um, <laughs> saying that he was spotted in Glasgow. Uh, he later signed for PSV, broke our hearts, uh, and then it became apparent that free transfers were the order of the day for us. We had some serious bids in for Patterson, who would later leave in January, Morelos from Lille, Kent from Leeds, uh, which was a stark contrast between ourselves and Celtic, who had brought in almost £25 million from selling Christoph Iyer, of course, uh, to Brentford and uh, Odson Edouard to Crystal Palace. And that was likely down to the club's reluctance to um, bump up the players' profiles um, that they were trying to sell, which was a wee shame. But, you know, with that in mind, it seemed that obviously certain players struggled um, to find that intensity that we, that we had. And then fast forward, obviously, Gerard left for Aston Villa. Uh, and then the famous Do I Look Happy, which became a meme uh, for us for a few weeks. It came back to haunt us after the 3-1 Cup defeat to Hibs at Hamden in the semi-final of the League Cup, uh, which brought our quest for silverware precariously close to the edge uh, of nothing early on in the season. And then in steps Giovanni Van Bronckhurst, right? Yes! Out of the darkness and into the light. Um, and on that note, I'm going to come to you guys, right? We'll stop there. We'll have a wee pause um, so let's kick it off and let me get your thoughts. Firstly, your thoughts on the moments leading up to the Giovanni Van Bronckhurst appointment. Like, how were you feeling? What was the kind of vibe and what were your thoughts on that going forward? Anybody? I heard, I heard, uh, I heard an inhale, so... Yeah. No, listen, I, I, I'll, I'll open the button if you want. I, I, I did wonder at the time when you... You've given this kind of history lesson there of what was happening, what what did and didn't happen. I suddenly felt around August into September time that Stephen Gerrard's days were numbered, that he was beginning to find it difficult to, for want of a better description, make excuses for what had gone before. He could only put the team and the players that he had. He's a you know at his behest out on the pitch. Um, I think he thought there were going to be signings, not not just for Rangers to defend their title, but to kick on from where they'd been the previous season. And it was evident very early on that rather than shopping at, never mind Harrods, shopping at Waitrose, we were back to the days of Poundland. And, <laughs> you know, and, and whoever it was, you could pick up on the cheap. And and I think, I, I don't think it took long for everybody to realise that there was a kind of, not a downward spiral, but there was a, a kind of flatlining of that Rangers team under Gerrard. And, you know, that was, that, that's as good as I would, I, I, I would call it. It did make, it did make some signings. And the signings, I I have to say, the one that firstly frustrated me and secondly impressed me would be Lundstrom, because I, I and 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 I've covered it off several times over, even on here. I always wondered if Gerard actually get the best out of Lundstrom because he was basically trying to batter a square peg into a round hole instead of giving the guy his head and allowing him to play his game. Van Bronckhorst comes in and there's a transformation in Lundstrom. And I think that everything that Rangers have achieved since, um, you know, since Van Bronckhorst came on board has been down to the fact that Lundstrom has been so effective. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually, um, Stuart. And I think, and and I wonder if, if if one of the major differences to that is the kind of um, Van Bronckhorst and his team are way more hands-on with the players than Gerard was. Um, a lot of a lot of the um, the coaching work was obviously left to Mick Beale most of the time, um, and you know Van Bronckhorst right up until kind of. Um, the final session before games, you know, it describes them as highly tactical. You know, he gets he gets one on one with the players, gives them the you know the plans and stuff to execute onto the pitch. And I wonder if if that's a kind of factor on that. You know, um, you have to wonder the kind of um, the chemistry between Gerard and the players as the seasons went on. Um, you know, and like you say, it, it, it kind of you know there was more of a kind of obvious fracture um, in that regard. But um, has anybody else got any thoughts on uh, Gerard leaving and Van Bronckhorst coming in? I think sorry. just before, sorry, was we go first? I don't crack on me. Sorry. I think just before Gerard left, I think things were really, really bland. Um, we were almost needing something to happen, like we were needing a, an injection or something, because it was just even when we were winning, it was um, it just wasn't great. We weren't scoring a lot of goals, and I think um, I think folk were worried, and I think one of the one of the things that was uh, quite evident was the fact uh, in the Europa League group stages as well, we lost at home to Leon, which, I mean, Leon were, were a good team, they came to Ibrox, they, uh, they won the match, they were by far the better team, but that was uh, Steven Gerrard's first defeat at home in the group stages in four seasons, and then we went away from home and lost again, so there was just there was just something needing tweaked, and this is what I said um I either said it on the, the last pod or the one before that. It doesn't matter how good a season you've had. I think every single year you need like an injection of freshness. You need new players to come in to either help the first eleven or push the first eleven um, so that they play better because they know they need to keep the shot. Um, so, and I, I just feel we didn't get that. Like Stuart said, I mean Lundstrom at the start of the season, people wouldn't have put him down as being a very effective signing um, until Gio came in and actually um, and even at that it took a while before Gio came in as well it almost it almost um, took the performance at Parkhead and he was like right I need to try something different here and that was when Lundstrom started getting his game I mean I think the goal away at Dortmund was the thing you were like Jesus Christ I didn't know he had that in his locker and then he just never looked back after it but in, in terms in terms of Gerard leaving at the time I was disappointed Um but I, I felt I felt we needed something. Um, the, the fact that he wasn't given funds to spend in the summer, which is due to the board, um, which, to be honest, uh, I, I still blame the board for there's no one in the league, um, quite honestly. But, uh, oh, cool. We'll maybe, we'll maybe go on to that. But in, ter- in, in terms of Gerard, I think I definitely something was needing to change. And looking back, I was surprised at the time, but looking back, I'm, I'm not really surprised that he went now. Wasp. I think it was evident uh, the Champions League defeat as soon as we went out there was a, a mood decline it just seemed we were we were always conceding the first goal I can't, I can't mind off the top of my head it's like one of the stat guys up above will get me how many games we went behind and uh, yeah like just, five or six in a, in a row or something like that yeah it was crazy for a season where we only conceded was it 10, 12 goals, something like that, stat guys again? But um, I, it, it was just bizarre that I, I remember being at the Sparta Prague game, Geo's first game, and we scored first, and some guy shouted behind me, oh, it's such a relief that we've actually went ahead in a game. But like we were still churning out the results, but like Jeep touched on, they, 
we just seemed to we just seemed to be you know like it was like everything was an effort we weren't blitzing teams like we were we weren't free for flowing and i think gerard was quite adamant in his system you know it was a it was a solid 4-3-3 and he relied heavy on the fullbacks and once geo came in you saw that fullbacks when they gone barisic and tav they were more reserved and they're defending we defend first and then we attack and uh, you, you just see um, Stuart picked up on it as well Lundstrom, he just seemed to, he just seemed to be lost in our system. That under Gerard Beale, McAllister, and under Van Bronckhorst, we seem to have this more flexibility. He can drop in a, a back three. He can play sitting. He can go further forward. Kamara's not a sitting number in the number two, but in front of the defence, he can push further forward. Now, Aribo seems to have a bit of freedom. So it just shows you with a bit of more funds would Gerard say probably but I think like you know they were chasing that Joey Veerman wasn't happening but then you get Lundstrom and see the transformation there so it always it kind of you know we're, we're like bringing in threes but if you look at them now like Lundstrom's totally transformed uh, transformed Bassey's another one who we'll probably talk about later who's transformed so there is but there is that stage of development and it took six months for Lundstrom to come ahead. Aye, no, no, and that and that makes sense, hundred percent. And you know what you're saying there about um, the changes to, to the system and things like that. I think I think what, what what was kind of evident just to kind of you know support what you said. I think when when we were playing Beal ball as it was as it was called, you know, the fullbacks pressed high, everybody pressed high. It was an aggressive um, high reward um, high risk system. I think what um, Van Bronckhorst had brought in, like you say, there's that bit of stability where he doesn't want both fullbacks going forward at the same time. He, 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 he you know it's either one or the other, and it and it kind of brings a more kind of dynamicism into the into the midfield line um, and a bit more of a safety net whilst obviously maintaining a high and aggressive press with that uh, with that front you know that that that, that front three that you discussed there um, without, and I think make it, sorry just without making it try to sound like some tactical masterclass no is it when the when the fullbacks when the fullbacks were pressing on under Gerard the middle three you could almost throw a net over them you know what I mean so so yep. was, they, were, they were playing in a very very confined space which meant that they they didn't didn't Got onto their A game, whereas when Van Bronckhorst's team, Tavernier and Bassey or whoever's at left back, still have the scope to actually go and attack. But if they hold back by ten yards, it means the middle three have got more space to exploit. And I think that's what you see with Rangers just now, in terms of what Jack has done, and in terms of what Lundstrom has done, and anybody else that plays in that kind of middle two or middle three, that they can be more expansive. Because you, they're not running into anybody if they pull the ball wide. Look how many, look how many times uh, Lundstrom has appeared out wide in the last, you know, three four months of the season. And I think that's an example of having a have, him having a greater scope to go and explore areas that just wasn't there under Gerard. Yeah, a hundred percent, and I, and I think as well, sure. I was I was just going to touch on it briefly as well. I think um, the pairing of, of of Jack and Lundstrom has has a hundred percent been key um, to a lot of um, a lot of that stability there. And I think um, obviously Ryan Jack coming back um, after that Celtic defeat was um, kind of you know a key factor in that as well. A kind of chain of you know chain of events that kind of led to to getting us to where we are now. Um, and I and I think as well in terms of um, 
of what he had to work with and the amount of time that he had with the players. You know, if you think, you know, what is it, 65 games this season? You know, we we went from, you know, having a game every three days, pretty much. There was there was very little time for him to kind of get his ideas onto the pitch in terms of training sessions and things like that, you know. Um, so I think, um, you know, a lot of credit uh, goes there. But, I mean, Driggs, you've been very quiet. Have you got any thoughts on it? I've spent this whole time kind of reflecting about, you know, where I might have been mentally when all this happened. It's tough to tough to look back. So I'm looking at the games, right? Jared had 13 league games before he left. A loss, three draws, a lot of real close games. Uh, the, sc- the scoring in terms of minutes, just they, they were all over the place. But the worst part for me was that we were still in first place by the time he left. And so there was like kind of a feeling that, ah, they'll figure it out. And they did. The team went on a good run, but then, you know, January, February happened, two draws each month, and it just it took Gio a little while before things got moving for sure. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't really work out in the league this year. But when the transition happened, it was it was a confusing time for me. I, I really couldn't. Obviously, we're mad at Gerard for leaving, but it's completely understandable. Um, and I think we really lucked out with Gio in terms of his ability to kind of come in and you know, at first had everybody play super conservative and defensively, and then everybody started working into his formation, and it, it worked out really well. Can I just go back to the, the, the Malmo game? I honestly think there was a, a kind of... There was almost a, a... If you looked at the team, they almost appeared deflated after that loss. It was almost as if they'd, they'd hit the, the, the peak by winning the title... Therefore, they were going into the Champions League if they won this, you know, one or two games uh, or two ties. They were in the Champions League and all of a sudden they lose to Malmo and you can almost see the shoulders going, oh, we've done a, Euro- we've done a Europa League before. What's special about that? Nothing really. How wrong could you be? They lose, the first, two- they lose the first two games in that and it's like, Oh dearie me! This is going to be a this is going to be a long drag up until New Year, and then we might not have any European football after that. But you you also see that transferred into the the club, uh, sort of the, the the league situation where Rangers really toiled. And as Driggs says, and and, and Driggs makes a really good point there. Rangers were top of the table without anybody without anybody actually playing particularly well. And also without anybody really realising, I would have to say, in general, just how poorly Rangers were playing. And that the, the, the additions to what Celtic had would actually come good. You know, it's it's very easy to make seismic shifts and big changes when there's scope to do that. I, I don't think there was the same scope at, at, at Rangers at the time. You could improve the squad, but the performance level... To, to reach the same, you know, un, going on another undefeated season was going to be difficult, but you could almost see them going maybe a season without, or maybe only losing a couple of matches. Whereas across the city, they had any, anything that they did would be an improvement on the previous year. And because they were improving and getting wins and gaining results, they then gained confidence from that because every week was better than the previous week. Whereas I think Rangers were quite bogged down in where they were. Still, even beginning of August, right? You had the loss to Malmo. Four days later, you had the loss to Dundee United. 
three days later, you had the second loss to Malmo. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a real bad start. That is, a, I mean, that's somebody take that's somebody, that's Michael Holding coming off with his long run up and hitting you hard kicking the balls, really. You know what I mean? It, given, given, given everything, I mean, first of all, you don't want to lose domestically, but given how much was riding on that in those European games, listen, we were suddenly thrust back into the bad old days. That you know, for me, it was going back to. 2011, when they lost again, they lost to Malmo, and that that feeling of you know deja vu, or as, a, as one ex Rangers captain once said, that feeling of deja vu again. Um, it was <laughs> it, it was it was um, it was almost as if we've been here before and seen this before, and ultimately, this is going to this is going to cost us long term. Aye, and it almost became our shtick, Stuart, as well, to kind of go into Europe, get a cracking result, and then come back, play domestically, and absolutely balls it up. Do you know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it became a kind of running joke and a, almost an expectation, um, which kind of you know was indicative of uh, some of the some of the issues that um, Giovanni Bronco, uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst and his team had to had to mitigate um, in the kind of short space of time that they had. Um, and to be fair, they did a, a pretty decent job. But but see if if we look at uh, the January transfer window, right? Um, and, and, I, and I really hope these last two transfer windows aren't a, um, an indicator of what's to come, right? So we're looking at Skov Olsen, right? Uh, which again, obviously never materialised and he ended up at Club Rouge, but there was luckily no um, uh, fake Instagram pictures of him. We were slushy. And then we got into a fight with Hearts over an early release uh, for John Suter which again didn't materialise and there was almost a, a running joke with them that we became preoccupied trying to pull off Aaron Ramsey and Diallo who both played less than 650 minutes each but see at that point um, what are you thinking like we've come out of the window and do you realistically think then do you think do you know what this is it the season's up here I actually thought the transfer window had been boarded up I thought I thought that Hurry Brothers had come out and done a night shift, but a Hilti gun had just gone and basically put the shutters up, and and there wasn't a window for, for Rangers to trade in. I, I personally felt I personally felt that the signings of uh, Diallo and Ramsey were it, it felt almost like panic buys as much yeah. as they were loans. It felt like yeah. panic loans towards the end of the window because we didn't get our original targets. That that was how it felt to me at the time. Um, it, but by the end of the window, I did. I felt I was like, right, okay, this this might not be too bad. I never ever understood the James Sand signing, and I don't mean to to shit on him in terms of a player, but I just felt it was a position that we just didn't need at the time. I felt we were crying out for a right winger, uh, potentially another striker, because we weren't sure if Itton was going to play a part in the second half of the season and in the grand scheme of things it didn't so the fact that we had uh, Morelos and then Roof as the secondary striker knowing his, his fitness issues I just felt right wing and striker were like the positions that we really should have prioritised and one of the first players we brought in was a defensive mid that could play centre back that really really confused me yeah. Aye, and it felt it felt as well. Do you know what? It felt a bit like dick swinging. That's what it felt like. It was like, here's what we can do. Do you know what I mean? But it didn't really make much sense. And I think that kind of describes uh, the board's attitude to a lot of um, issues. I think, um, and that's and that is disappointing and worrying um, going into this window. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that played uh, plays out. Um, anybody else got any thoughts? And you know, winter we had eight players out, four in, three of them loans that came in. Um, 
and I think to what Guy was saying, who do we have? We had Hasty, Bakuna, Defoe, Barker, all attacking players, all leaving. So our logical sense would say, oh, there's there's a spot open now. There, this is this is where they're going to go after. And we, you know, got Diallo, who none of us really had any clue about. It was frustrating. I think I think the signing of Diallo and the signing of Ramsey were more to placate the fans for the board to be able to turn around and say, look, look what we did do. Sure. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, Diallo, how much is he worth? 35 million or something like that? Yeah. Well, you can spend that amount of money when money is no object to you. And it's a, and it, and it, and it looks really good in paper. Is he really a 30 odd million pound player? Not from, from what I've seen. And it was the same with Ramsey. Look at this guy's CV. He's with Juventus. This is a much, this is how much he's getting paid a week, except you're not really paying it. You know, somebody else is paying it, and you're you're basically chipping okay, two million quid over that period of time. But I think it was related to kind of placate the fans. It was like, see, we have done business, but it wasn't the business that anybody wanted or expected. And Jeep's point was was, was right about about Sands. He might be a very capable player. I'd, I did wonder if, and and maybe you know, Driggs could could sort of add to this a wee bit. I did wonder if he was the most sought after player in, player in America. That somebody had basically said, you know, no, but I, I, I was almost yeah, like somebody yeah. had get word back to Rangers. This guy's the most sought after player in America, and if you don't sign him, you'll you'll lose out on an on an absolute you know bargain of a of a genius. And Rangers have got, I will take him, and then realise what they'd actually bought or what they'd actually got, and and nobody was looking <laughs> at him. Nobody. It was it was almost like it was almost like we just need an injection of cash over here, and and who and let's let's get around the houses to see who the mug is. You know, it's like oh, it's like <laughs> Texas Hold'em. If you know, if you look around the table and you can't see the mug, it's you. And I do wonder about that about about um about him, Sands. I wish the boy all the best. I think he, you know, I think under a right coaching or finding his right place in a team, I think he could do a job. But I, I, I do think ultimately, let's have a square peg in a round hole. He's basically, he's basically a a a, a, a tennis ball in a basketball game. Drugs is his agent, eh? Look, there's <laughs> true. there's nothing wrong with Sands. He does a good job. He's a tidy player. I don't think yep. he's going to win you matches. I don't think he's going to lose you matches. But I think he co- coming at the transfer window, he wasn't the person that we needed. No, and I yeah. think that's why he's become a slight, not a scapegoat, but people are kind of pointing at him. But I was just looking, going back, transfer window, Diallo, first league game, January 29th. Rangers were still in first place at the end of the transfer window. And I think that's where a lot of the complacency was also why we didn't get, you know, a lot of people going out, free up space, and they just were like, ah, we're not in a big deal to, to get somebody really, you know, to compliment the team. But see, at that point, Drugs, we still had Morelos, we still had Hadji. Yep. You, you take them away, that's that's a lot of goals and assists. Good point. Especially, yeah. especially when uh, when Roof, um, he, he gets injured, eh? we can't, can't really rely on Roof, and then I had to bring Itten back, who had an unsuccessful loan spell in Germany, but Yep. You know, it's. Um, I think like Stuart makes a good point as well. It was like a smokescreen for the fans. We'll bring in Aaron Ramsey because I remember talking to Snags um, 
and I've seen all these rumours. I was excited, you know, and then it's not until now when you realise he's not playing at Juventus. He has got these uh, injury concerns, these fitness worries, where you're just like, you know, we're not getting the player. It was at Arsenal five years ago, but everybody seems to think that, you know. Um, but unfortunately, it didn't Aye. work out. No, and, and you know, it's interesting you mentioned Hadji there, you're going to like this. Um, so, obviously, momentum wasn't helped when Joe Aribo um, was playing the best football of his career in the lead-up to the winter break. But then fast forward to the African Cup of Nations uh, and he came back and he looked like he'd been bodied <laughs> by every player on the pitch. Um, and in preparation for his absence, Van, Bron- Van Bronckhorst uh, basically wanted to alter the angle of attack. And, and whilst we've talked about this quite a lot, regards um, you know building a team around Yanis uh, Hadji, and that was his idea. Basically, Hadji was uh, the floating player. So where you'd have two teams playing against each other, whichever team was in possession, Hadji would um, uh, play with whichever team had possession to basically help them to learn to adapt playing through him. But obviously, fast forward to Stirling Albion, he gets a knee injury. And pretty much that idea goes clean out the uh, clean out the window, and like you say, the goals and assists that come with that went with him. Um, but with with that in mind, then so obviously all that's all that's kind of happened and kind of kicked off. When we come out of that window, do you think you know realistically we had a chance, you know, to kind of keep keep that lead at the top of the league? Obviously, it didn't happen, but you know, did you think at that point that actually we could, based on what you'd seen? I think it was a brashness by the board. You know, you're like, yeah, we're still top. We've got a good manager. We've known we've got money for our, our old manager. We've got these young attacking players. We're scoring goals, and then all of a sudden, it's you know, right now we we finished the season without a recognised striker. You know, people were playing out of position, and yeah, it did became a struggle. Who's got to step up and? You know, Joe Aribo was flying, like you mentioned, Snags, before the Af- uh, AFCOM, and he just, you know, I was hoping he would step up and continue that, but he just, it was hot and cold. Yeah, it was like a Windass-esque performance from him. Eh? It was hot and cold. Aye, and it was kind of, you know, we'd, we'd thrown a lot of dice and we'd tried to make things work, you know, with, with, with what we had uh, or what we didn't have. And I think at that point, it was a kind of, you know, Here's what we've got, and here's what we can do. Let's let's just try and try and get a get a bash and see what happens. And fortunately for Van, you know for Van Bronckhorst, it it paid off semi um, in a way. Um, but, but but Rangers yeah, but, Rangers went sorry and Rangers and and Rangers went from you know almost having like a a twelve string Stratocaster down to having a one string banjo. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was it was almost like it was almost like you. You'd lost, you'd lost, you know, you'd lost so much of your range that you could you could play in and operate in, and it was like you know, twang, 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 like that. And all of a sudden, you 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 cannot play the same tunes. You can maybe mind them, but you cannot play the same tunes as you you had been playing. And that's there's a bit of that. It's nobody's fault. Injuries, you know, injuries affect and affect every team, but. The, the the key component parts of what made made Rangers tick at that time, you know, the Rebo coming back like a different guy, you know, coming back like they've sent us back a body double, you know, it's not really him, or um, in the case of Hadji getting a completely flukish, freakish 
injury against, um, you know, in a game where did he really need to play? Well, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a question for another, you know, the history books. But I, I, I do think then it was almost like a focusing of the mind that we have limited resources. Let's make them work to the best of our ability. And to be honest, that that was the making of Rangers it, it come the tail end of the season, was having the limited resources, but making everybody, basically getting a tune out of everybody. Aye, and obviously, you know, my next question was going to be, what do you think the key turning point was for the for the final few months of the season? And I think, sure, you've you've you've, you've kind of summed it up there. Um, you know, I think the major strengths with with Van Bronckhorst and his backroom staff is 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 that personal time with the players and making them making them work, um, regardless of 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 you know who's playing where and who's doing what, which is uh, which is promising um, for, for for season twenty two twenty three based on based on that alone, but. Obviously, um, the run up to to the Europa League final and uh, and and the Scottish Cup win, uh, you know, were, were were kind of two two scenarios that were not expected, but were an added bonus um, for sure um, in terms of what happened this season. But what are your thoughts on the final few months, Jeep? How did that play out for you? And obviously, are you over Seville yet? No, I don't think I'll ever be over it. Uh... I think uh, just just to kind of I'll start halfway what you said there. For me, the turning point in the season was the game up at Ross County, which yep. um, I think if you if you look at our uh, domestic campaign alone, it, nothing really changed. Um, I think we were still hitting roughly the same number of points uh, per game average, um, but I just felt that day us conceding a ninety seventh minute. Uh, equaliser for 3-3 and on the, the very same day a couple of hours later I think Celtic scored in the 90th minute and beat Dundee United at Parkhead 1-0 that then that then puts the league table in a position where we are then going to Parkhead and if they beat us they go tap and for me that day was a massive massive turning point um, in the season because I was very I, I was very worried going into that game at Parkhead I almost seen I almost seen it coming Um and I, I got a lot of criticism on Twitter that day because I said on the day like I was that I was that worried about it. I said I would take a draw tonight. Um, and in hindsight, obviously I'm oh, yeah, I was right. I was right, but that was genuinely how I felt at the time. Um, I, I, I would have took, I would have took a draw because I was that I was that worried about how we were going to approach the game. And within three minutes, I knew we were fucked. Like we were sitting far too deep, and I just I was I was really worried. So. On, for me, the turning point in the season was probably the Ross County game, and then going into the Celtic. I, th- I felt we we learned a lot for the Celtic game, and I, and we've already kind of touched on it. I think it gave Gio uh, an opportunity to kind of experiment with some tactics and get some different players in, i.e. Lundstrom and stuff like that. Um, I think the league campaign um, was poor. We just couldn't we just couldn't hold consistency at all. We dropped far too many stupid, stupid points, especially at Ibrooks, for winning positions, especially turning up at Mother against Motherwell, uh, for example. Um and in terms in terms of the league, for me the league was finished the day we lost at Ibrooks to Celtic. Um so the the, the final six weeks of the season, we actually didn't do much wrong. After after the the old firm defeat at Ibrooks, we almost were like, right, we need to just put that behind us and crack on. And if you look for that position onwards, we actually done things pretty okay. We were we had decent consistency in the league. 
Um, I don't think we lost again in the league. We managed to make the Europa League final without a, a recognised striker, and then we won the only other competition we were in in the Scottish Cup. So just that brief period for the end of January to the start of April was just, in terms of the league campaign, it was just a wee bit rocky, which which cost us. Um, but after that, after that defeat. Um, we we barely put a fit rang other than I mean if we if we had won a penalty shootout it would have oh, almost been the perfect end to the season after that game. And you know it was we were going right before the Ross County game, so December first up to the Ross County game. Eight matches, league matches, seven of them we didn't let in a goal. The only yep. the only blip there was Aberdeen one one. And then we go into Ross County and just lay an egg. And just, got just got played off the park at Celtic Park. I just yeah, the momentum they definitely sense blood, and they just even though they only play for twenty minutes, they decided you know they get that lucky ninetieth minute goal from the United. We concede ninety seven. They've got the momentum, so it's like you know if they work hard and they did that night and they just blitzed us over and we had no answer for it. I, I think the team was really complacent in that game because they yeah, had yeah. such a good run of games. Yeah. Totally agree. Bang on. Bang on, Driggs. Um, and I think, you know, we had that, we, we had numerous, numerous moments during uh, the season where it just didn't feel like it was going to be a year. Um, and we got quite a few, a few surprising turnarounds, um, which kind of closed it out as a, a pretty decent season, to be fair. And, and, and I think even though we didn't win um, the Europa League final, I still think it was, it was, you know, one of our best um, seasons in history, I would, I would suggest. Oh, yeah. But, um, Some achievement there. Yeah. Even 100%. Our striker was playing it right back, eh? I said that to you in the group chat, Drugs. Play him up yep. front, Tav. Yep. And you were like, no way, man. <laughs> At the back post. <laughs> At the back post. It's, um, the, the, the thing about the, you know, you want to win the, comp you, you want to win the competitions that you enter. However, given... Given that Scottish football has been based on playing teams four times a season since 1975-76, it's, it's, it's become wearisome, tiresome. It's become, you know, for somebody who's watched it as, 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 for as long and get paid to watch it for so long, it was there was nothing new in it. It was almost like something that happened, like a, it seemed like a fortnight ago, was then regurgitated for you to watch the next time you were watching a game, which is which you don't have you don't have that in any other league in in Europe, other than the Scottish League. So if you if if you become kind of stagnant and complacent, it it can last for a couple of games or into the next time you play a team, and and you know and and Driggs is right about the, the the not losing the goals, so important. Because if you don't lose goals, you only need one goal to win a game. It's a you know it's it's a, it's a well known a well known fact and and something that Graham Soonis um, preached for uh, a long period of time. But I just think when it when suddenly the, the sort of league was if you like was kind of lost. Rangers played with a freedom, especially in European competition. Yeah. It was almost like the shackles were off. We 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 can play in this and show people what we can do. 
and, and as I say, for me, who, who you get bogged down, watch these four games a, a season against everybody. Would you, would you really want to succeed? And somebody will say, oh, you're saying that because Rangers didn't win the title and all that stuff. No, I wouldn't. I'd say that at any point in time. European football is, is a far better gauge, a far better barometer, and a, a far better benchmark than Scottish football will ever be because you're, you're up against better teams, you're up against better players, you're up against better tactics, you're up against better coaches. And I think for that in itself, I would agree with Snags. I mean, it, it, it was a great season all in all for Rangers. Thankfully, they, they, they came out with some silverware at the in the Scottish Cup final. And I have to touch upon that by saying scoring two of the best Cup final goals you will see in a long, long time, especially the first one. And, and I'm still having this vision tomorrow night against Ukraine of Craig Gordon going out and appealing for something that's not exactly there. You know, like... <laughs> Wait, 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 your hand up for son. It's behind you, you know. Um, that was, that was a, a wonderful strike, and one yep. that if it wasn't for certain broadcasters, that's one you would lead off every single highlights package with. Would, would, would be that one goal. So Rangers came good right at the end. In fact, they came good quite a bit out for the end of the season, but it was almost as if. We might as well go for broke here because we're not going to get the prize that we really need or really wanted. Yeah, I agree with that, Stuart. But no, Stuart, see, see, when I was flying home from Seville, you know, like I was, I was thinking about it, and you know, I was down in the dumps and I was knackered, I was crabbing, and it was just like, you know, we're like my mate was telling me he was like, "I'll oh, go to the Scottish Cup and you go for that," and it just felt like, you know, even though we hadn't won it, we were just like. Kind of wanted the Europa, yeah. Like, like, what's you know, we can win Scottish Cups, League Cups, titles. You know, it's just that one kind of hurt. But I've got two questions for you, Stuart. So, do you think that? <laughs> sorry, boys. So, do you think that Gerard no getting the Champions League, he had like a, a a massive adrenaline dump when they didn't get the Champions League, and they just thought. You know, I don't want to go to terrible um, Tony Macaroni Stadium to play terrible football, and he's just jacked it in. And the second question is: Do you think we, the way we got to the final, we've, we've not really spent any money at all. We've brought in loans, we've brought in free transfers, and we got to the Europa League final. Um, do you think that maybe the catalyst of the board goes? You know, see if we do give Gio. 10 million for one player and you know build it up and build maybe three four players in and get some homegrown and you think that'll push them right we can get to the final we hardly spent any money let's spend some money and real quality and actually go for it because now if we don't get champions league we can go into europa and unfortunately if we don't get go any further we'll still go to the conference so it'd be interesting to see what your thoughts are on that first thought is I think I think Gerard. I, I might be totally wrong here, but I think Gerard became very disillusioned very very quickly, and it made it easier for him to jump on the first raft that was going by. And the first raft happened to be Aston Villa. I think I, I, I think he basically had surmised, and also he'd be looking for a way into English football because I don't. I think the vibes coming out of Anfield was, "Well, it's fine what you're doing with Rangers, unless you you, you win a European competition." It's not really practice for you 
coming to England or taking over a Liverpool job. So he had to take a job somewhere else. Um, I think that he's, um, I think, and I think as well, I think after three years, I think visiting the spaghetti had um, and, 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 you know, and the likes was starting to take its toll because of his background. It's fine putting on the blazer, fine putting on the tie, fine putting out a team on the pitch, but you're visiting places that under normal circumstances you wouldn't visit unless you'd been involved in a plane crash. And and I and I, and I, and, I, and I think I think that eventually, <laughs> I think well, I think I think that event I think that eventually got to him. What what I would say uh, regarding your second question, I think the board are under serious pressure right now. They are under serious pressure because they overpromised and underdelivered back in December, and now Rangers fans are sitting with their pencils and their papers trying to work out how much Rangers made. The transfer market is not an exact science. Rangers have got several examples of that over the year. You know, you could you could go from one end and say, there you are, British record transfer fee for Duncan Ferguson. Let's see how that worked out. Oh, there's the alarm going off at six o'clock in the morning for you to get off your breakfast. That's how it worked out, right? So you, you could go and sign, spend big money and sign all sorts of players. Doesn't need necessarily mean to say it's going to work out. But I think the board are under pressure to come up with something other than here's a loan deal or we're getting this boy in the cheap or we've got this guy that Chelsea have just signed or Arsenal have signed or Bayern Munich have just signed and we'll get him on loan for a season. That takes you forward baby steps compared to the sort of leaps you might take forward if you get guys in and coach them the way you want to coach them and take them forward over a year or three years or five-year period. I think you see that just now with, like, say, Hadji. I think Hadji's a classic example of, of, of bringing somebody in and getting to play the way that you want them to play and, and benefiting from that. So I think, that, I think the board at Rangers are under pressure now to actually come and deliver some finance to to um, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst so he can actually go and spend real proper money on players, not just bringing in stop gaps. Can I just can I just uh, say a, a very quick point in regards to your first question, Moss? Right. What what really gets me in terms of Gerard uh, when he left? What really pissed me off at the time was the fact that two and a half weeks before he left, and I've said this before. He was asked about the Newcastle job and he said, do I look happy? Do I look settled? Don't ask me stupid questions. Now, see, to turn around and say something like that, now, see, for me, right, I do think that Gerard is a man like, of integrity. I think he always wanted to, I think he, he wanted to describe himself as an honest manager. I don't see him saying that if he had any thoughts about leaving the club. I really don't. I don't think he would be stupid enough to come out and say something like that. I believe that maybe any, even if Newcastle never shown an interest, just the fact that that rumour was there, I think he's went to the board and basically said something might come up in the future and he's had some sort of conversation with him and they haven't matched his ambitions in terms of, I want X amount of money to try and improve this squad in January and really push for this title. And I think the board have said no, because for him to come out and say something like that, only from a leave two and a half, I mean, because let's be honest, he was quite rude. Do you know what I mean? Like he was, he was quite arrogant with Emma. 
the, yeah. the interviewed him. For him to come out and say something like that and for him to then just leave two and a half weeks later, I am convinced in that two and a half week period something has happened. There's been some sort of a conversation where he has asked for something and he's not been promised it and he's thought, I can't really take this any further if the board are not going to match my ambitions. It, and then the hmm. Newcastle have came aligned with a raft and he's jumped on it at the first at the first attempt. Gee, I think, I, I think you're, you're, sorry, you go. Sorry, sorry. Did, 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 did they not say that after like a European game or um, a um, I think it was a nighttime I, game. I can't I, remember what game it was, but Emma Dodds. It would have been B, it would have been Emma and BT, so it would have been a European. No, game. no, no. I know, I know the interview you're talking about, G, but it's um, did they not say something like, oh, like we need, this club needs to spend money or something like that? Because did they not bring in like Fashion Sakala on a free, and they were asking. He was asking that uh, we need to be doing more than loans or free transfers, and he, he was quite. And that kind of started the rumblings, you know. But he, he said we, so, he said something after the Marmo game in terms of uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, it was word Marmo. for word. Yeah. I can't remember it word for word, but he basically came out and said that if you want to compete at this level, level you need to spend. Yeah. Words to that effect. Well, well, We've not spent a penny, is what he said. Uh, I think I think this I think the sequence and again it's speculation might be totally wrong. Maybe need to wait and Stephen Gerrard bring out his next book or whatever. <laughs> I think the sequence was there were the rumblings of Newcastle. He then spoke to the board. The board maybe fobbed them off, maybe made promises, just you wait until January, without there being you know, then I him guarantee. trying to put, Yeah, exactly. Then him trying to put the in place the the sort of sounding sounding the starting pistol to get out into Europe and, and bring in talent or go down to England and bring in other talent when he's he's going back to the board and said I want to do this or this or this there has been a kind of I, I, I will, will see nearer the time and to go back to the the the, the raft situation the next raft bobbing along was Aston Villa and I think Gerard's looked at it and gone, you know, Newcastle, big ass going to Newcastle and save them from relegation. Aston Villa are in a better position and they're a big club and they've got money and I could make a go of this. And I think I think that's that from my to my mind, that's a kind of sequence of events. That, uh, for me, that's it's kind of plausible it's a sequence of events that happened. That he's maybe he had come out and said, I'm not interested in going to Newcastle. But in that interim, as Jeep said, there's been some kind of con not so much a conversation, but he's been looking for a sign or proof of the intentions from the board or on Hyatt Rangers, and he just hasn't seen it. Next time he gets asked, or next time there's a club comes along, he's gone. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. I think as well, you know, it's no it's no coincidence, Stuart, that you know he was he was already really good pals with the Aston Villa chairman. Um, mm -hmm. So you know he's going to have had a heads up um, as to when that position was going to come available anyway, and he's likely pre-agreed it. I would suggest, um, hence hence his behaviour. Um, but you know, from from the kind of very start, I always kind of I always kind of said about Steven Gerrard and his and his kind of attitude that reminded me a lot of uh, Jose Mourinho in terms of you know he's got that kind of one or two season ability, and then after that he'll start losing people because the ego and arrogance kind of takes over. And I wonder how that's going to play out, uh, given that you know Michael Beale was potentially breaking away for his coaching staff as well. So I think that might be a wee ticking time bomb there. Um, but 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 sure, um, you're on the meter now, uh, uh, you know, because you were meant to be going at quarter two. Yeah, sorry. Said. I mean, I've I've um, I've I've uh, I've 
Doug extricated myself from something, another commitment I might have had. So you're all right to know. <laughs> oh, excellent. Nice one. Nice one. I'll just uh, I'll just take that off an extra 10 quid on the fee. Excellent. Thanks very much. Just when I'm trying to find that comment, it's 10, 10 quid on the fee and a tenner for every analogy that I've got. So I'm up to 100 and, 174 quid just now. Right, well, Wasp is meant to be coming in doing my electric, so I might need to put that on hold for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so moving moving on from from uh, the season, then. So, tell me if I, I'll start with you, G. Bright. Tell me your player of the season and why, and your biggest game of the season and why. Oh, geez, oh, do you know this is probably changed about three or four weeks ago. It's, it's probably changed from where it is now. I think um, I don't think anybody could argue with. Tavernier being player of the season and the only reason that I wouldn't pick Bassey is because like for the second half of the season Bassey I feel hundred percent Bassey was our player of the year. Um but just for just for the kind of consistency throughout the full season. Um albeit I do think Kent had a really big part to play this year. So when you actually watch the goals back and and you see how many like penalties he won and stuff, just with his trickery and his quick feet and stuff like that, especially in Europe. Um but I for me uh for me, I would say Tav and the game of the season has got to be Dortmund away. There's just going there and going three 0 up when Lundstrom when that ball left Lundstrom's left foot and you're just thinking to yourself, that's got a chance when you see it nestle in the net. It was almost disbelief. I don't even think I was cheering. I think I was just screaming, Oh my god, oh my god. Like it was just sheer disbelief <laughs> that we had managed to go to uh, the West Fallon Stadium and then end up 3 0 up. It was just, uh, it was an incredible, incredible night. And I just remember at the time thinking, I really hope we go back to Ibrox and do the business. So it doesn't, it doesn't put a black mark on that game. Like I, we went and done that. But then they came and, I mean, if you remember years ago, we went to Leon and beat them 3 0, and then they came to Ibrox and beat us 3 0. So it yeah. kind of balanced it up. So I thought to myself, if they come to Ibrox and beat us 3 0 and put us out, it will only be remembered as fondly. You know, but the fact that we managed to get the draw at home and pick them out, I just think it's one of the greatest results in Scottish football history for any team. Scottish football, that that package of the home and away result is the best result in world football, I would argue, at the time. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? The the best result. Um, But but, but on on your points there, mate, exactly the same as me. And I think in terms... Calvin Bassey, if, if we were talking about kind of, you know, um, best, best, you know, player with potential over the season, I think, you know, for him, when when Gerard first started to use him, it was quite clear that he was struggling a bit with uh, positional awareness. You know, that was kind of one of the one of the biggest weaknesses that he had. But actually, he was he was getting extra sessions with Conor Golson and uh, Borna Barisic, probably just for set piece taking, to be fair. Um, and you know, he was putting the graft in. And, you know, the guy's a sponge and you can see how quickly he's learnt and how he's gone from a kind of potentially next season starter to £25 million player. Do you know what I mean? It's it's an incredible um, upward trend um, in terms of in terms of where he is. But, you know, in terms quick, of your... Quick comment on Calvin Bassi. I don't think people... I, I don't know if people like, even understand this, but he hadn't, he hadn't played a senior game when he came to Rangers. He, made his, he made his senior football and debut with Rangers and in two seasons, he's, he's got to where he is now that... It could it could go for it will break Rangers Rangers transfer record. I'm absolutely certain of that. He was quite um, a quick football GB. He was he was, he was academically he was quite a quick football. Eh? He had he had never made a first team appearance and he came and I still remember it was I've got this boy, he's a left back, but he can play centre back and positionally he was he was all over the place. Yeah. 
but his improvement uh, in two years is one of the best I've ever seen for a player. I see it just add a bit of cream on top of the cake, right? Um, Brendan Rogers, Leicester side is struggling for a left back just now. <laughs> but uh, anyway, moving on, Driggs. Um, what's your what's your player of the season and game of the season? I have to go the, the same. I think Tav was Tav's been phenomenal all season. Goals, everything. Um, the the change when Gio came in, you know, the first few games, his defensive, uh, I don't want to say awareness, but commitment to what seemed to be like Gio saying, we're just going to hold things down. Uh, and then maybe he was pushing it on Gio or the adaptation to kind of being a more offensive. The whole season was complete for him. And I think Bassey obviously gets shout out for young player of the year, but um, Tav gets the player of the year. And the, the best two games of, of all time, the Dortmund games. Like it. They were just sure. fantastic. I have to disagree with everybody because none of you know what you're talking about. So, <laughs> um, no, listen, I, I, I said right at, I said at the start of the season, and I, I am not decrying Tavernier for, you know, his contributions yet again. Ice cream van. <laughs> I'll be back the now, boys. Um, but um, uh, I, I said at the start of the season that Bassey had the makings of being a, a an outstanding player, and you know on Twitter and the likes, I, I can still dig them out for you. There were people saying, you know, he's this, he's that, he's the next thing. There's there's a bit of a bit of Bassey for me that resembles um, Richard Goff because he is an absolute warrior and a leader and you know i don't know i don't think it'll last but you could almost build a team around him so he'd be my player of the year just because of, just because of his contribution and the fact that i said he was a player and then everybody had to agree with me in terms of the game in terms of the game i i don't disagree with you in terms of the the, the, the results i would say for me my game of the, the year except Stuart, my game of the year is um, is the cup final, Scottish Cup final, because yeah. it would have been it would have been a long summer if you put as much into that season as you had done and not get any reward whatsoever for it. And trust me, if it was a hammer blow losing the final to to Frankfurt, it'd have been doubly bad if you'd also lost the the cup final. So for me, the cup final, the fact that there is a, there is reward at the end of the season, um, and, and, and just to pick up on a point, the result against uh, Leipzig, that wasn't even Rangers' best result against a German team. Never mind best result ever. You know, just about that. You, you go back, you go back and see Rangers beat, beating Bayern Munich in the semi final of the Cup Winners' Cup nineteen seventy two, and look at that Bayern Munich team. Who was in that team? That was, a, that was a German team that basically won the World Cup two years later and had won the European Championships that summer. That's the biggest result in Rangers history ever. Wow. Can't argue with that shit. Um, thank you very much. Um, what I was going to say was... Um, stop the message up at the bottom of the screen. I don't like it, okay? <laughs> All right, fair enough. Just, stop. Just put it back up to get it, to, to get it right up here. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I, I forgot what I was going to say there, so last point of you, the player of the season. Oh, no, in fact, I, no, I can't remember what I was going to say. Um, no, I can't. Last, <laughs> uh, when we battered Motherwell 6 1, Sakala show 
Nah, I'm only joking, mate. It has to be the Dortmund and the Scottish Cup. Um, like, just talking to Jeeb about this on the way home for Seville, and it would have been the season of disappointment if we didn't lift that Scottish Cup. I think the run in Europe will always be defined by the Dortmund home and away, but Stuart makes a, a great point that without any silverware, it would have been the season of disappointment. But yeah. my player of the season uh, has to be it has to be tough um, just for a right back outscoring everybody in the Europa League. But then my young players it has to be Barca. Just just the last couple of games of the season, uh, like especially in that Europa League final, way uh, he just he's got heart and desire. And I just. It's all right, they'll partner each other next season, so it's fine. But uh, I, it has to be oh, passing I've remembered, and Stuart, um, it was the Scottish Cup final special mention for uh, Scott Wright, player who exceeded expectations yeah. um, for me for uh, the season. Because when he first started and obviously started getting more. St- starts and games i was very worried i was thinking i don't think this guy's got what it takes um to win rangers big games and uh he proved me wrong and uh, the, the, finish... the video clip the video clip of the season the, the finish was brilliant the video clip of the season is when he tracks back in two minutes into stoppage time um and and makes the tackle and, yeah. and jack applauds him and and lundstrom basically gives it <laughs> you know like that that was that was that's that was what we're wanting, basically. Correct, absolutely, a hundred percent. And it's a, it's, it's just a wee, it's a wee nugget. But see, if you, see if you, you know, add a drop of water to that, and you, you, you know, expand upon that. That's what the basis of your team should be. That kind of, that kind of grit, fight, determination. And you're right, hundred percent right. There was a guy who people one minute were asking, "What's that guy doing in the team?" And suddenly it's like. I, this guy can actually play, and, and and just on this one last final point for me, really nice of the uh, Aberdeen feeder team to provide goal both goal scorers for the the cup final. I think that's that, I think that's really you know generosity above and beyond. Yes. Thanks again. Thanks again. So before we before we talk about uh, transfers, then quick uh, quick word for the sponsor. Subscribe to the Rangers AF podcast. Do 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 do. <laughs> do, do, do. Not very the end had me. I was in bits for ages, man. It's brilliant. Do, 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 do. I wasn't expecting it. John Cena can't see me. Legend. That, that kid. That kid is a legend. Destined she for is. big things. Rangers social media content right there. <laughs> um. So let's touch quickly on transfers and I've realised we're an hour over um, which is quite uh, significantly more than what we said we might do but Driggs mm. you were right apologies for mm. doubting you um, so obviously the club has announced I know the club have announced that Stephen Davis has extended for a year uh, very very much expected that uh, given you know uh, he's still got he's still got plenty in the tank and obviously him and him and Scott Arfield are credited with with kind of help, uh, helping a lot of the young players come through um, and and to kind of fit in with a with a first team squad so good to get them tied up um, another couple of rumours Goldson reportedly away to Nottingham Forest I won't be surprised if that materialises to be honest um, it seems like a viable move and the Cedric Goldson-Worrell par- uh, partnership oh, didn't he? In, and in then the Cedric- Premier League in England 
beautiful. And then uh, yeah, Cedric it'd be fantastic. Getting, course, I can, I've even got the music. I can even hear the music already. I can already see Klopp getting fired. Gerard moving in in Liverpool. <laughs> you, you think Golson will go like that to Warrell all the time? Now, eh? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? I can't. Right. That was your man. Where were you? Where were you? It'll be, <laughs> like, that, it'll be like that Tom Hanks film, eh? When Goldson goes down, Warrow will be like, here, I'm the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then, uh, so just to close out, um, Cedric and away to a Swiss club. Don't know which one at the moment. There's a couple of rumours <clears> flying around, and the fees reported to be around uh, £1.5 million pounds stroke euros. Um, and obviously, we're in the market for somebody who can play on the right wing. Uh, hasn't that been a story for. Two transfer windows so far, but hopefully we'll 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 get that right. What's your what's your thoughts so far on the bit on the very limited business that we've done? Uh, obviously, there's a lot of contract um, extensions in the youth team as well. Um, and what and and are you and are you confident that the board will get this window right? Anybody? I think we need to move early and quick, not like what happened in the winter. Agreed. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not worried right now um i'll give them an opportunity to make it right um they've definitely got the last couple wrong but um for me i don't think geo would have had anything any say in the signings in january no no any say i don't think they would have been geo signings i do believe that would have been ross wilson that had that that had their targets um and I think that Geo will have a much bigger role in terms of recruitment in the summer. And the board, the board need to back him. There's absolutely no, like, there's no way they can't. If they don't back him, it's. And do you know why? Would they have took the job? Would, would they have took the job if they hadn't have promised them about a transfer money? So they should have got it in January, but hindsight. Uh, can, um, can can I just touch on briefly uh, Aberdeen being our uh, ultimate feeder club? And you may you may or may not have seen this, but Rangers have signed a player from Aberdeen with quite possibly the best first name and surname combo I've ever seen. The youth, my god, my goddamn life! The guy is called Lancelot Pollard. I'm not even joking. Game he sounds like character. He, he sounds like lo- like like royalty. Um, <laughs> I make sure I make sure I Game of Thrones in Little Britain. <laughs> Obviously, we can't play the theme tune. Copyright uh, issues, but um, any other any other thoughts on the uh, on the on the transfer window? I think this is a season we need to really put money in the attack here, for sure. Hundred yeah. percent. Midfield, midfield to front. Yeah. I think I think we'll need them um, depending on if Bassi stays or no. Depending on whether you look at him as being a left back or a centre back now. We need, we definitely need cover, and I know you can rhyme off all the centre backs, but we said it last week. So many players are going to leave. I don't expect Barisic will be there next year. Sorry, Wasp. I don't expect Halander will be there next year. These players need replaced, and we've, we were already lacking an attack. So for me, honestly, I, I, I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if we see ten new players come in this summer. There'll be some, some free, some fairly cheap signings as well but um we, we, I, the, we, we need we need quality as well you as think, quantity you think Sakala will stay yes you think Gio fancies him I think he fancies him as a squad player I don't mm. think he'll be in a hurry 
considering he's one of the players that's in contract for quite a few years and he's not somebody we need to worry about in terms of um, his contract running down, I think it's a it's low he's a risk. Huge, he's a huge he's option keep... player, though, isn't he? He's a, yeah, I mean, yeah. he has he, a big he, upside, too. Yeah. I mean, he had 12 yeah. goals, 50 games, mm-hmm. and yeah. what, 48 of those were probably off the bench? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's a he's so. a fantastic a fantastic release player. You know what I mean? You yeah. you yeah. you hit the ball and towards the opposition's half, and he'll chase it. Yeah. And 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 I mean, you you look at a couple of times last season, there was nothing on for Rangers, and because of his perseverance and the fact they would chase lost causes, he put defenders under pressure, and ultimately Rangers won the ball back and and you know get something out of it. So I think I think you know maybe know your maybe know your starter maybe know maybe know a future Ballon d'Or ever, but the fact of the matter is I think he, I think he's a useful he's a useful asset and he's somebody that you can see the benefit of keeping. Yeah, but okay. I wouldn't be in a hurry to get him out the door just now. No, Thank also you. also very good in the air. Surprised some jump for some jump on him for a wee guy for a wee yeah. guy very good in the air. Um, Something else that popped into my head only last week is that the is it the Polish right back that we signed in January? Yeah, I mean we, yes. were, playing, we were playing the boy Divine, and don't get me wrong, well, he's, I'm, been, I'm, he's I'm, been injured. I'm, that's why. Is it right? Yeah. Okay, because yeah. I, I know that. Um, obviously, I'm I'm happy to see youth players get a shot, but that surprised me, and I was wondering where he was. So if he's injured, then fair enough. I'll yeah, just shut injured. up on that on that point. I think I think <laughs> this is like I like to keep myself on here and think that the board. Are like right, we'll get you enough to get you by in January, and then come the summer, Geo, we're going to get you four top players a year picking. And I'm just like, right, but then I kind of wake up, and then I'm like, it's not going to happen. We're going to get somebody for like Tranmere Rovers or something who's going to take three years to be a absolute steal. But I, uh, it's I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I like I would like to see like I'm, you know. Dutch kind of influence there. No, no too much, but you know they're quite I think technically good. Uh, technically Aye, good. And you know Voss, I think he'll he'll hear a, a picking for some decent players as well. Aye, I think that's a good shout. And uh, I'm just going to highlight this comment in a second, but I just want to tell you a wee back a wee backstory. Sometimes when I'm in the afternoon, when I've got a wee cup of coffee, I have a wee bit of chocolate, right? But I worry because I've got a wireless keyboard and a wireless mouse, and I worry about getting a bit of chocolate in there. Um, and something happening, and I think this is what's happened to Jim because he's got his cat block stuck there, you know, and he's he's shouting a bit, and I don't think he means it. Um, so, are we going in the right direction? See what he did there, or are we standing still? The future is European football. It's amazing. It's almost like a big like banner. You can see that in the Union he's, Bears. You know what I mean? It's he's uh, he's, he's obviously a, a Sun sub editor in <laughs> in hiding. Did you like this result? <laughs> I love it. It's just like every comment is a statement. Yes, love that. <laughs> so anyway, <clears throat> let's uh, let's move on. Move on to to shout outs before we before we close out. And it's and it's a somber one. Uh, obviously, news this week that um, the goalie uh, Andy Gorham has uh, terminal cancer and does not have very long to live. Um, very very sad news. Um, and our thoughts obviously go to Andy um, and his and his family. And uh, he's come out and said that he's going to fight like he never has before. Um, and you know, we we wish you all the very best, goalie, and um, and your and your health. Um, has anybody got uh, any other shouts that, that they would like to give at this moment in time? Yeah, I'll uh, 
I'll shout out my, my pal Nikki. She's uh, she's just a wee legend and uh, thanks for letting Ian tentatively go to Seville. So thanks to her. And uh, shout, shout, shout out to my mate Pedro and Kim. They've just had a wee boy uh, last week, I think it was. Um, so shout out to them and wee baby Finn. Beautiful. Anybody else? Uh, shout out to uh, Mr. John Sutar for uh, impressing, I think, everybody during the cup final game. I think that's slightly, to me, it's kind of taking Goldson's news and putting it to the side a little bit, and at least seeing that we have somebody coming in who, you know, in theory can play a good game. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I'm uh, buzzing, buzzing to see him in our, in our range of How he fits um, is another thing, but we'll see, you know. Aye, I think signs are good, Driggs. Signs are good. Um, any other shout-outs before we, we draw this podcast to a close? Hey, I'll give a wee shout-out to Jody. Miss you, Paul. Mm. Oh, hope you've enjoyed Top Gun Maverick tonight, Jody. Buzzing, absolutely buzzing to see that. Um, to, to relive a bit of nostalgia. And Stuart's got his cat. Yes! <laughs> I did become, become a Bond villain. <laughs> <laughs> Is, you just need like, a, a grey polo neck thing on. Planning the demise of Scottish football. Yeah. <laughs> oh, guys with and I don't have to do anything because it will fall apart on its own. <laughs> <laughs> I did, they do a good job of that themselves. Yeah. But the plan is there regardless. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> but, uh, Thanks once again to everybody for tuning in tonight and for sticking with us as well. I think the viewing figures have gone up the longer we've stayed on, but let's not make that a sign of the future. Um, we'll give everybody their evenings back um, and thanks very much. Please make sure you like and subscribe the video. That would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, I've been Snags. He's been Jeep. That other guy's been Driggs. He's been Stuart Weir taking over the world. And then we've got <laughs> the last. We've been the Rangers AF podcast and we'll see you on the flip side. Good night. Thank you.